0: Praise the Lord. Good evening. The Lord is good and his mercies endures forever. What a joy to be in Eunice, Louisiana with your church this morning. You guys have a beautiful church and I, I don't mean the building. I mean the people, the people and we're glad you're here. We're glad that you're a part of this great vision and uh, the other churches that are here. God bless you. Greet you from the national office, from our general superintendent, as we are into this Momentum Conference and celebrating that. And this morning, we had a great time with, here with the church. And, and if you're visiting us for the first time and you don't have a place to worship, we invite you to come here. This is a great place. This is a great place. And stop looking. The grass is only greener where you water it. Come on now. Yeah, some people some people are like, I thought it was going to be light tonight. Why is he coming after us so fast? Yeah, we're, we're Elizabeth and I, we've enjoyed your pastors and the leadership this afternoon. After the third service, we had a gathering and just kind of poured into the leadership, some of the leadership uh, this uh, afternoon, and, and being able to just encourage this church to continue to dream. You guys, I want to hear great things from this church. That you guys are, are building, you're expanding God's kingdom in the middle of a pandemic. And this will end, this craziness will end one day. And we want to be able to make sure that we, we are continue to uh, empty hell and fill heaven to the glory of God. That's the, that's the mandate of the church. There's so many mandates today. You do have a mandate. And that is to continue to preach the gospel. Not only here in, in Louisiana, but around the world. As you're part of missions and so forth, well, many of you all got a chance to know who I am and Elizabeth, my our children. We showed our pictures this morning, and we talked about that uh, love is the currency of heaven. Yeah. We shared with you all that it is a, it's a requirement, if you will, that we withdraw from the currency of heaven. That Bible study, prayer, fasting, those are good disciplines. But love is the currency of heaven. We learned this morning that uh, America has a heart problem. It doesn't have a hand problem or a head problem. I've always believed that if you deal with the heart, the hand will follow. And then the head will follow. And so the church of Jesus Christ, in my opinion, is called, is called to address that. So let me begin tonight by using a... An analogy that many of you all may know is the NFL. Uh, since the Chicago Bears lost, uh, since season or from game one, we were lost 17 weeks ago. We had no hope. You can see I'm, pred- I'm still bitter about our loss. So pray for me. In the NFL, there are three teams that are playing on the field. Three. Three. We've got the offense that has the ball. We have the defense that will try to do anything possible to stop the offense from moving that ball forward. We know those two teams, and each one of those two teams have separate uniform that you can distinguish them in the field. But there's a third team that many of us overlook, and they're called the referees. There are nine of them, and they have a uniform. And they have a playbook that has been sanctioned by New York. They have a playbook that has been sanctioned by New York. That when they see something wrong on the field of play, they throw a flag. They'll throw a flag on the defensive side and they'll say, unnecessary roughness, 15-yard penalty, automatic first down. And then they'll throw a flag on the offensive side. Delay of game. You can't do that. Five-yard penalty. You're going back. You You never see the referees take off their uniform and join one of the other teams. You never see that. And I believe that we, we, the church of Jesus Christ, we are called to be the referees. That we are to speak in the field of life, that when we see something wrong on this side, we, call, we throw a flag and say, you can't do that. It can't be burning buildings and stealing people. You, can, you can't do this either. And you throw a flag. That is the job, in my opinion, that is the job of the church. We're never called to take off our uniform to join one of the other teams. And I've been telling people across America, you don't represent the donkey or the elephant. You represent the lion from the tribe of Judah. That's who we represent. And I'm afraid that many of us in 2020, we took off our uniform as the prophetic voice and we try to join one of the two teams. And I've been saying, no, 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 no. Keep your uniform on. We already have a playbook. It's called the Bible. Come on, somebody. I love the last service. There's no other service after this, y'all. My flight doesn't leave. Our flight doesn't leave till like 6 in the morning, so I can be here all night. We have a playbook. It's called the Bible. And we're called to speak what the Bible says. People may not like it. The defense or the offense may not like it. But it's not my playbook, and you have been sanctioned by God to throw the flags of what's happening here in America. So go out there and represent the kingdom of God and throw the flag. And so tonight, I want to just challenge you all to become the commission church. If you're taking notes, it's called the Commission Church. We have been commissioned by God. We are commissioned. We don't have to wait to Washington, D.C. to tell us who we are. We know who we are. We don't need to wait for Hollywood to tell us who we are. We know who we are. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And that has not changed since 2,000 years. That has not changed. Are you with me this evening? So would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? I'm old-fashioned like that. Let me see if I get that water here, baby. There is, uh, no, you're good. I'm going to John chapter 20, verse 21. I've entitled this, The Commissioned Church. John 20:21. 20, when you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't have it, say, wait a minute. Amen. Okay, John 20 is after John 19. <laughs> it's one of the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's where I'm at. John 20, 21, the word of the Lord says this. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am what? Send you. I'm sending you. <laughs> so if you're wondering what you're going to be doing, you're going to be sent. This is a good time. If you don't want to be sent, this is a good time to vacate god doesn't save you so that you can sit in a chair in a church for 20 years doing nothing he doesn't take you out of drugs and alcoholism he doesn't save your marriage and heal your marriage so that you can sit in a chair doing nothing come on now you still love me <laughs> he saves you he saves you so that you can become a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this evening. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful, beautiful church and people. Lord, when we open your word, you speak to us. And when we pray, we speak to you. And we've always believed God that if you're not with us, and if you're not with me tonight, I don't want to speak because your presence makes the difference in our lives. So Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, move. Come on, just take 60 seconds right now. Holy Spirit, move in my life. Hallelujah. Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. Come on, 30 seconds more. Have your way tonight here in Eunice, Louisiana. Breathe on your people. Breathe on your people, Lord. Breathe on your people. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen, you may be seated. One of the greatest institutions on planet Earth is the church. We are saved people, if you're taking notes. We are saved people. And we are sent people. We're saved and we're sent. We're saved and we're sent. We're saved and we're... Sent. That's right, you got this. And we're sent to do what? To disciple. After World War I, the League of Nations was established after World War I. With the primary purpose of bringing peace into the world. In 1945, after World War II, the United Nations was founded again to establish peace in the world. Approximately 50 to 56 million people died as a direct cause of that war, of World War II. And people were determined to never allow such atrocity again. Did you know this evening, did you know that after World War II, was established, that the United Nations was established after World War II, that we've had over 285 armed conflicts on planet Earth since 1945. Did you know that the United States of America has been in five major wars since 1945? I don't know about you, but the United Nations, they're failing and bringing peace. If that was their primary function as an agency to bring to planet Earth, I think they're failing on bringing peace. Today's teaching tonight, is about the Great Commission on Matthew chapter 28. The Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. Let me say that again, because when I put this for sure, I was going to get a lot of amen. We think that the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 is the Great Suggestion. It is not the Great Suggestion. We are commissioned by God to go and disciple. When I think about this theme about the Great Commission and the Commission Church, immediately what comes to my mind is that there is something that I have to do as a believer. Or in other words, that there's a response that I have to do. Once I accept Jesus Christ, once I get baptized, i got to do something. And to help you understand that tonight, I'm going to give you four discipleship truths tonight. I'm going to give you four. They can be 40, but I'm only going to give you four. Number one, that discipleship is a command. Number two, discipleship starts at home mmm some of you are are we going to the restroom and doing that one number three discipleship as you go and number four discipleship as you grow so let's begin this evening the Commission Church why we exist in Eunice or why we exist in Louisiana we do not exist to be a social club This is not a club. Come on now. This is a place where people come and they're broken and they find healing in the Master, who's Jesus Christ. This is a place where marriages are restored and lives are restored. That's why this church, New Hope, exists. I hope I'm not breaking somebody, busting somebody's bubble. No, this is not a club. We're the church. Of Jesus Christ so discipleship is a command Matthew chapter 28 now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but somewhat somewhat go to Matthew chapter 28 some doubted boy that's comforting To know that after you saw the resurrection, and you saw Jesus being resurrected, that even so, you still doubt it. The Bible says that some of them worshipped him, but then there's some who doubt it. Is this real? Is he real? Because I just saw him a few days ago, they killed him. And here he is. In other words, I got good news for you all. God does not have a problem with your doubting. He has a problem with your disbelief. some doubted and jesus came into them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i've commanded you and behold i am with you always to the end of age Romans ten fourteen says this, if you're taking notes, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hello? So the primary purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this world is to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. And new hope... And your churches are part of the kingdom. Our primary purpose is not only to become followers of Jesus Christ, but to become a disciple of Christ. There's a difference between somebody who follows Jesus and somebody who's a disciple of Jesus. Follower is simply that, someone who follows or comes after someone else. But a disciple is not only a follower but one that learns one that applies one that teaches that's a disciple are you with me I still haven't even preached yet there was a young girl who was applying for an Ivy League college with a great anticipation that is that she came to the question and the application question of the application was are you a leader She agonized over the question for a while and finally told the truth. No, she wrote, I'm not a leader. She felt certain that the answer to that question would seal her faith and that she would not have to start looking for other colleges. But after a few weeks, she received a letter from the university that gave her the news. To her surprise, she was accepted for admission. And here's what the letter said. We are pleased to inform you that you've been accepted for the admission to the university. We have a freshman class of 4,298 leaders, and we think it's good to have at least one follower within the group. (laughs) (laughs) The very last thing that Jesus instructs to his disciple is to do, to do what? To go and make disciples. Listen, church, we are saved people, we're sent people saved and sent in the greek word the greek the word of go comes from the word passageway and it means to transport move something from here to there are you with me to go means you transport something from here to there i take the gospel i take my life and i transport me from here to there I don't stay here for 20 years. The same word go is found in the encounter of the centurion soldier in Matthew chapter 8 verse 9. And he says, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. is going when you and i are being sent it's because we are submitting to the authority of jesus christ and the commandment of jesus christ come on mom and dad come on how would you feel that if you go out on a dinner and you leave three things for the kids to do and you need to do this and you need to go to the store and you need to do this and when you come back not one thing is done Somehow they questioned your authority, or there was not going to be any repercussions. Go. Because out of your obedience, out of my obedience, we will find our miracle, our blessing. Go. Go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Even though the river nearby my house is cleaner than the Jordan River, so what? Go dip yourself. Why do I have to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times? Just go. Your miracle. Listen to me. Your miracle and your blessing is attached to seven instructions in the Bible. Go. But we Americans, we're like, how long? When am I going to come back? How long is this going to be? You know how we are. We need to know all the details before we go. And there's sometimes when you're serving God, you just don't know those details. I'm just gonna go in blind faith. Because you said so. It's there, it's there where you find your blessing. When you operate in faith, that you trust the master, and as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you trust the go. That's why I love the story of Luke chapter 5. You remember that story of Luke chapter 5 where Jesus comes down to the lake of Gennesaret and he's coming down and the Bible says, and there were two boats by the Sea of Galilee. Two! is a big deal, Pastor Choco. OMG, it's a big deal. When I read that there were two boats, what it's telling me is that Jesus had options. And he got into the boat of Peter, not the other boat. And he gets onto the boat of Peter, and I'm paraphrasing, and he's telling Peter, go, go deeper. And you know, Peter, like, bro, I've been fishing all night. I didn't catch anything. And the Bible says he's pulling up his net. You know, he's clean, like he says, I'm calling it today. By the way, when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, no doubt I'm going to talk to Jesus for sure. After Jesus, I'm gonna look for Paul. And now I'm gonna find Peter. I'm gonna to come to Peter and say, Bro, everywhere in the Bible where you were fishing, you never caught anything. You should have changed your profession. A tax collector, a doctor, do something else. But if you say so, Peter's like, If you say so. And he goes out into the deep. And Jesus does his thing. You know the story. And he tells Peter to throw the net on the other side. And he catches multitudes of fish. He would have never gotten a miracle. He would have never received an assignment. He would have never seen the master at work. Remember, remember, it was Jesus who called Peter. In the first century, it would be the disciple who would find the rabbi. In the first century, he would come to this church, and if he would like the way that Chris was preaching, he would stay here and he would learn. But he would choose. But here Jesus flips the script, yeah. and he's choosing disciples. You come and follow me. You come and follow me. You come and follow me. He's speaking people that nobody wants. And Peter recognizes, and if you read the scripture, he falls down on the boat. He's like, I'm not worthy. Get, I'm not worthy to even look at your face. Go was a command that we're told, watch this, to make. So what do we have? What do we have? We have one command, that's to make disciples. We have three ongoing tenses, going, baptizing teaching those are tenses going going to all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father son the holy spirit teaching them to observe everything that jesus commanded so we have one command we've got three ongoing tenses and when then what's the outcome you would have a disciple you would have a disciple this is what the church is for new hope to make disciples not to make you feel good. And I'm not here, not here in Chicago. Oh, you guys are all saints here in Louisiana. Back, I am afraid that today we can't correct people without them getting bent out of shape. You can't, you can't rebuke people. we like, hey, 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 where were you? I didn't see you in church. What is it to you? Well, I thought we're brothers. Iron sharpens iron. And when the pastor or leader is trying to correct, somehow today we've allowed culture to go into the church i'm trying to disciple you i'm trying to make you a better man of god and a woman of god i'm not here to hurt you the church is is called to make disciples and this process of making disciples look at me this process is ongoing you hear me we have a commission from Jesus, He's our commander, He's our chief, He's the one we follow, the one who sets the standard for our lives. He's the one we worship. And what is a commission? It's very simple explanation. A commission is an instruction, a command, a duty. So our commission here in Louisiana is to make disciples. John 20. John 20, the scripture we read. Imagine with me for a moment, the disciples were in the room where they met Jesus after he died. Imagine what they were thinking. For a moment, if I'm in the room and and I'm one of the disciples and I know how I am, my personality is like, what, what the junk, what happened? I just saw, I saw him walk on water. He healed people. And they just killed him. You know, this would be me. Other people would be in a corner crying. I can't believe, oh, Jesus, I lost my job for this guy. Me I'm, me, I'm very just thinkative. I'm like, what the junk. I mean, I told everybody that he was the guy. You know, that would be me in the room. Some of you all would be different. I get it. But there I would be wondering what happened we saw all these miracles and then we see him killed. So we're all in the upper room, you're with me. We're all up in the upper room and everybody's grabbing a corner, sitting down. I'm thinking, there I am, there's Choco in the corner. What the junk? What happened here? And then all of a sudden, Jesus walks in to the room. The resurrected savior walks in. I'm still in the corner and I'm like, what the junk? no no and you know some of some people different person oh my god oh my god and me not me I mean like is this real and what does Jesus say when he comes into the room he says peace be with you oh my stars do I need that peace because it's not the peace that you and I think about like Shalom peace it's not that peace or or the peace that you may be thinking that soldiers outside they're going to get you it's not that peace i believe it's the peace that has me in the corner and that jesus answered all my questions all my questions that when he walks into the room and he says peace be with you he's essentially saying choco everything i said is true everything that i said i'm going to do i'm going to do and i did it peace be with you My word, as a disciple, it is a command from God that you and I are being led to be disciple. There's no confusion about who he is. There's no confusion. In Matthew chapter 28 and and John chapter 20, I consider these two bookends in the life of Jesus. Bookends. John 20 tells us about peace and and then he breathes the Holy Spirit on them. And then he says, I will send you. I will send you. These are like bookends in the life of Jesus. And then he gives them instructions. He gives them instructions. That's why in 2022, I declared at the end of 2021 that the year 22 will be the year of demonstration and the year of direction in the United States, that there would be a demonstration of the glory of God in our churches, that people who are coming, who are agnostic, people who are atheists have no other choice but then not only does he demonstrate his power but he also will give direction to the church of Jesus Christ 20 tells them all authority Matthew chapter 28 gives them instructions here's the commission now go number two number two discipleship starts at home, doesn't start at the youth group, doesn't start at the Royal Rangers or girls ministry. I believe, now don't get mad at me, send all your emails to Chris, not to me. (laughs) The institution of family has been under attack in our culture. There is a suddenness of keeping families busy. On Sundays. Traveling. Sports on a Sunday. Back in the day, it wasn't like that. Back in the day, Sunday is the day of the Lord. Now, don't get me wrong, I got nothing wrong with baseball and volleyball and basketball. I think that's great. But I'm just trying to tell you that there is a suddenness coming into the church that it's okay that we miss this Sunday to go. For your traveling team and we'll watch it on the car we'll watch it online that's one sunday then the next sunday the coach is like i need your child here we can't win without him next sunday and all of a sudden we find ourselves the family unit the family unit has allowed culture i remember when my son used to play on the traveling team when my son used to play on the traveling team i would tell him pito there there is there are three services and uh, you I don't care if you come to church with your uniform on and your spikes, but you will go to church and sit and wait until the service is over. But today we don't talk like that. Today the kid is huffing and puffing, he's twelve years old, oh my god, I gotta lose and then we give in to that. discipleship starts at home. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you don't travel on Sundays or you take vacation. I'm not saying that. You, you know what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that there is a subtleness coming in from the culture that's taking Sunday. No matter what you say about Chick-fil-A. I'm with you. I wish they were open on Sunday after church so I can support their ministry, but you got to give it to them. What are we teaching our kids about values? Yeah. What are we teaching our children when there is no family time? We don't pray together. We don't read the Bible together as a family unit. I'm not saying that you need to be the, you need to be the next preacher. I'm just saying that as you as the man of God, as a woman of God, that you open up your Bible at home and say, we're all going to sit down at this table and we're going to pray and we're going to read the word. Even after our children were married, we required them to be at our house on Monday <laughs> with their spouses because it was family time. And when they were younger and they lived around our house, they would recite scripture around the table. Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And they begin to go down the road, the three of them, and recite scripture. I'm just saying that discipleship starts at home and you cannot put the burden on the church. Train your child begins at home, in your home, in your apartment, at your dinner table, in your living room. What are some of the ways we can disciple our children? Here's this. Teach them to respect the word of God. That there is a God. Teach them. Because if you don't teach them, they will forget what God has done for you. Yeah. Just look in Joshua. Joshua. It was Joshua who said, as for me and my house, we would serve the Lord. It was Joshua who saw the Red Sea open and the Jordan River open. He saw manna come from the sky. He saw the hand of God. But then you go to Judges 2, verse 10. And then another generation grew up who knew not the God of Joshua. So, do the math Joshua, his sons, and his grandchildren's the generation. Someone dropped the ball. That's why we pray with our grandchildren. And, sure, and they pray with us. I mean, their prayer is very funny. Amen. And when we're really hungry, we'll give it to one of the ones that goes, prays really fast at the table. And then they start fighting about who's gonna pray. So you have three prayers going on, you're like, oh, for the love of God, the food is gonna get cold. <laughs> so teach them to respect the Bible. The Bible's not a coaster, it's not where you put your coffee cup on top of or your drink. Number two. Teach them to respect authority. Respect their teachers, police officers, their pastors. Teach them to do that. Number three, disciple them to guard their minds from social media, TV. What do you allow your children to watch? Parents, you have a responsibility to protect your children From the philosophies and the ideologies that were harmed a relationship with God. There's some crazy teaching out there. In my house, in my house, there was no rated R movies allowed. We would not watch rated R movies. Period. And even now, PG-13 is questionable. You get what I'm saying? And maybe, maybe I'm antiquated. Maybe, Choco, you're just old, man. Just get with the time, bro. No, 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 no. It's the Word of God. It transcends generation. What was good for me is good for my daughter and my son. It was good for their children. We just can't get tired of holding up the standard. Mom and dad, don't get tired. you got to keep, keep your hands up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everybody get up. I was like a master sergeant, even before I was a pastor of the church in Chicago. We had an intercom system, my wife would tell you. And I would start playing the guitar. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice, hey, I will rejoice. I, had, I, had I was a musician, I was a choir, I was a worship team. And we can hear our kids moving. Mom, tell Poppy to stop. Everybody get up, go to church. It's not debatable. I'll wait for you in the car. <laughs> Boom. And it's not like... You guys forgive me. Oh, I wish I'd say this. It's not like my girls got out of the bed and came with their pajamas. No. No, get dressed. Brush your teeth. We're going to go see the king. You would never... <laughs> You would never come to Queen Elizabeth at Buckingham Palace with your pajamas. So why do we do it with the king? You get what I'm saying? Disciple, teach them. Lastly, when it comes to teaching their children, teach them to love their siblings. Teach them to love one another, to respect one another. Teach them to love their neighbors. Many people see the church as the one to do it all, the heavy lifting. No. Parents, you teach them. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, you should teach them diligently to your children. You should talk to them when you sit down in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Teach your children. Yeah. Heard a story about a pastor. He says, I remember when the realization of discipling my children hit home with me personally, he says. He says, I was pastoring a new church and spent a lot of my time discipling people. And we had a lot of new and young Christians in our church. And there was no shortage of people needing to be discipled. He said, I had led several small discipleship groups each week and was very committed to helping people grow. One day, as I was standing on the football field, coaching my nine-year-old son's football team, I had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit right in the middle of the team doing exercise, he says. The Holy Spirit asked me why I had the time to be, a football, to be at a football practice three nights a week, but no time to invest in my son's spiritual growth through discipleship. I, he says, I could not believe that the Holy Spirit was interrupting football practice, but he did. He said, I left that practice on a hot August afternoon, committed to making time to disciple my son. Dads, make a commitment to do that. Mom, make a commitment to disciple your daughter, your sons and daughters. Sit down with them. Teach them. Tell them how good God is and what God has done in your life and how he healed you and how he restored your life and how you you get the idea. Number three, Disciple as you go. Culture tells us that it's all about you, but the Bible tells us that it's about Jesus. And this is the conflict. As a result, Christians have become bored. Let me say that again. Culture tells you that it's all about you, yet the Bible tells us that it's not about you or me, it's about Jesus. You see, the American dream is to have it all. But the kingdom dream is to lose it all. This is the conflict. And as a result, as Christians, we become bored. And Christians have become stagnant. When there is no go, watch this, when there is no go or going, then there is stagnation and boredom. And no discipleship happening. Did you hear me tonight? When there's no go or going, there's stagnation and there's boredom. It is easy for God to move a car that's on neutral. But a car that has been parked, you do not need a GPS if it's parked. It's easy for God to move a man and a woman who's on neutral and say, God, use me, lead me than for a man or a woman of God who parks their life for years. Christians have become bored. Sometimes churches, not this church, there's sometimes churches that become entertaining. This is not an entertainment. This is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship. Yeah. We're about saving lives. We're out in the battlefield. When you think about it, it's all about you, Then you don't care about what's happening with someone else's growth. You don't care whether someone else is growing or not. Discipling is a mandate from Christ. The question is, whose life is being changed because of my life? Let me say that again. Whose life is being changed or transformed because of my life? Relationships are a big part of discipleship. Are you with me? Yeah. You can't have a disciple without relationships. In Cicero Philippi, Jesus revealed himself to his disciples that he was the Christ. Go with me. He's at a mountain, and he's asking the question to the disciples. Who do people say I am? And the disciples started just throwing out names. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. But then Jesus said, but who do you say I am? Now, let me ask you a question here tonight. Have you ever taken a test in your life? I have. I've taken tests where there's 50 questions, and if you got two or three wrong, you're like a 92%, yada, yada, yada. But this is a test where there's only one question, (laughs) that if you get it wrong, F. (laughs) And if you got it right, you pass. But who do you say I am? And there comes Peter, impulsive Peter. Put my foot in my mouth all the time, Peter. I'll cut off your ear, Peter. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him. Whoa, Peter, this was not revealed to you by man. You got it right. Ding, 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 ding. You passed the test. Look at me. When Jesus tells the disciples, who do people say I am? He was already in a journey with them for two and a half years. He's now heading towards Jerusalem to be killed. Jesus. At this moment in scripture, when he asks the disciples, who do people say I am? He's already been with the disciples for two and a half years. And it is the first time in the Bible, the first time in the Bible, where Jesus now reveals what he's going to do. And he said, Upon this rock, I will build my what? First time the word church comes out. Upon this rock, Peter, upon this pebble, I will build my church. And not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. No COVID, nothing that's happening in this world can come against the church of Jesus Christ. He was building disciples before building the church. He was building disciples before he was building the church. And anytime, look at me, anytime, anytime that you find disciples, you will always find a church somewhere. Anytime that you go to Walmart and you're out there and you're being a disciple of Jesus Christ, people will always know there's got to be a church around here. Where are these people from? But you can find a church and not necessarily find disciples. Does that make sense? Disciples. Before he built the church, he was building the disciples. And you don't have a church without disciples number four and lastly disciple as you grow when it comes to being a disciple it's important to understand that we are not made and that we're being made I'm 57 years old and I'm still being made the life of my life and your life we're in this process y'all and that we're being made and we're being corrected and God is teaching us and he's teaching us when, when does it end Pastor Choco it never ends Nor do I want it to end. I want to get better. As a man, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, I want to be better. So the discipling process does not end. In Luke 14, we receive the first requirement to becoming a disciple. In Luke 14, if you're taking notes, read it when you get home. Luke 14. All right. Here's how it goes. It goes something like this. Let's say, Pastor Chris, you're from New Hope Church. And he picks everybody up. And he says, everybody follow me outside. We're going to go walking. And you guys start walking around here in Eunice, Louisiana. And Pastor Chris is leading the crowd. New Hope Church. He's leading. He's leading. And all of a sudden, he stops. The crowd stops. And then Pastor Chris turns around. And he says these words: "Whoever wants to be my disciple must pick up their cross and follow me. If you do not leave your mother and your father for me, you're not worthy of me." How many people would still follow him? How many people would say, "Oh yeah, no, Ooh, That's too heavy? You want me to leave it's not like jesus wanted you really to leave your mother and father or your wife or your son and your children it's really about priorities where am i in the priority of your life am i first in your life are you with me if you want to become my disciples you must pick up your cross there's a difference church between price and cost let me explain So here I am going to the piano store and I love the baby grand piano. And I pay for the baby grand piano, boom. And then I pay for a year of lessons for the baby grand piano, boom. They take the piano to my house and it sits there in the living room. It's not like I'm a pianist. It's not just because the piano made it home that automatically I'm like, no, no 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 there's a cost of being a pianist that's practice learning the key of C and the different inversions and and learning D and how does that go with F and and, and there's a cost to become a piano player you might have paid the price to buy the piano and Jesus already paid the price now you got to pay the cost You just don't show up to New Hope Church and boom, I'm a disciple. Papa, that doesn't work like that. There's a process. We're in a journey. We're in this together. Let me finish here. If Jesus already paid the price, then we must be willing to put the time and effort to learn to be a disciple of Jesus Christ story has it there was a man that was uh, with his new bride and they were traveling too fast down a dark road and he turned his car over his wife was badly hurt and he saw that if she did not get immediate help she would die so he looks up And he sees a sign up in the hill that says the offices of Dr. Bill Jones. The offices of Dr. Bill Jones. He goes to the car, he brings his wife, he picks up his wife and he's climbing up the hill getting to the office of Dr. Bill Jones. He gets there and he knocks on the door gentleman open up an old gentleman opens the door and the husband like please sir please save my wife please save my wife the old gentleman said oh son I I retired I don't practice medicine anymore the guy's like sir you have two choices here you either save my wife or change your sign We either save souls in this church or we change the sign. If there's no hope in this church, then we change the sign. Would you stand with me tonight for a moment? Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Louisiana, we are saved people, and we are sent people. You remember that. That God saved you from alcoholism, from drug addiction. He healed your marriage, because he has a purpose. And that we are out to proclaim this good news of the gospel how would they know how would they hear unless someone tells them that's what romans 10 says how would they know in louisiana how would they know if no one if you guys don't go out there and tell them in walmart i know the answer it's jesus you got to go you got to go the master's coming, Jesus is coming soon, and I want to make sure that as I travel across this country and I meet people like you all, beautiful people, that you leave out of here challenged, that you leave out of here disturbed, like man I should be doing more for God. I've played it safe these last two years, I blame everything on COVID. There'll be people 10 years from now blaming COVID, for sure looking for an excuse why we're not doing what we're supposed to do well you know what it was in 2020, when it was in 2020 and COVID happened it just papa that was 10 years ago we need to learn i think that's where the life groups come in or the small groups or that you guys are doing here in the church to get up be a part of that so you could be discipled be trained teach about the word of god But God is looking for a few good men and women here in Louisiana. He doesn't need 300. All he needs is three people to change Babylon. Three people who would say, I'll be discipled. I feel called to the ministry. I I feel called to be discipled and I, I wanna make a difference in my life. I wanna make a difference in the lives of other people and I want God to use me as a disciple, whatever that is, I'll carry my cross. With every head bow and every eyes closed across this sanctuary. I don't know how many of you here at the sound of my voice would say, Pastor, this was for me. I've been playing it safe. I'm the one who gets offended when I'm being corrected. but I do want to be sent. I want God to use me. I want God to use my life to be a disciple for him. Pray for me that I would be a committed disciple here in Louisiana, that whoever I meet at the gas station, at the grocery store, at the restaurant, that I would tell them, he loves you. He loves you. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, how many of you here at the sound of my voice will say, hey, I want to make that commitment to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. In 22, in the year 22, I want to be able to be a disciple for Jesus. Pray for me that I live that life. If that's you, would you lift your hands quickly all over this place? Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. You can use me, Lord. If you raise your hand, I want to give you a few seconds to get out of your seat. Even if you're in the middle, people understand. I want you to get out of your seat and meet me up here quickly. I'm going to say a prayer and turn it over to our pastor. Do that quickly right now as we sing softly. Make your way. So let me say a prayer. Let me say a prayer and I turn it over to Pastor. I'm so glad you left your seats. May the day of discipling start tonight. That you would say, mold me, make me, whatever you got to do. But make me to the man of God and the woman of God that I need to become. So Father, we come before you tonight. I lift up your children to you. There's a yearning in their lives to be discipled. Not just a follower of Jesus, but a disciple. I pray God that in this season, in this year of 22, that it would be the year of demonstration and the year of direction like never before that they would be sold out for Jesus. Help us. Would you get on our boats? Would you take us to the deep? Would you tell us our assignment? Would you show us a miracle? We need you in our lives. Help us, help us to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So I bless them today. I bless them at this altar that 22, the year 22, would be the year of closeness with you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, and we love you, and we love you. Now, I want you to look at me for a moment. Discipling is much more than just carrying the cross, it's being faithful. Right? I can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a man of God, if I'm not faithful to the church. I'm not faithful in my giving. Starts there. Starts there. My children learn their tithings. My kids don't give 10%. They live in the 15% and 16%. They don't live in the 10%. They don't make a lot of money but they give their tithings to the Lord they learn that from their father and their mother to be faithful to God so it begins there in the small things that you and I can do when you look at the story of Peter and many people make fun of Peter because he got out of the boat when Jesus was walking on the water and the disciples were in the boat he told Jesus tell me to come and Jesus said come And Peter got out of the boat and he started walking on the water why did he do that here's why because Peter wanted to do what the rabbi was doing that's a disciple you want to do what your pastor's doing you want to walk like a man of God you see his life his marriage in my life and the life of my wife we were on stage I get it people watching us so as I follow Jesus, you follow Jesus, but even better in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, love you guys. Pastor, would you come?
1: Come on, do you appreciate the ministry of Pastor Choco? <laughs> my, my pastor heart is stirring. Hang on, before you leave, I, I, I don't like to just say things. I like to ask God what he wants me to say. And so tonight I I just sense this first thing. um, You can't disciple when you're not being discipled. And in, in order to be discipled, I believe that we need to do something different. What was it that Peter did that caused him to catch fish that he would not have caught and become fishers of men that he would have never even paid attention to? He did something different to do the same thing over and over again and expect 2022 to be any different than any other year is foolishness. But come on, but when you do something different, when you take discipline and add it to discipleship, it it grows a desire for you to do the things that God has for you to do. Disciple, hear me, disciple yourself. Disciple yourself. I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to pray over you. I want to invite you back tomorrow night, by the way. We're going to have Pastor Brad Jackson with us and our our worship team, leading worship uh, worship pastor at the Assembly in West Monroe, phenomenal man of God. We'll be back here at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. But before you go, uh, here's what I want to challenge you to do differently. I I was listening earlier this week to podcasts. I try to fill myself because I I don't, I, I leave Sunday empty. Exhausted. Any pastor in the room will tell you. And so thankful that my friend is here tonight. But I promise not to point him out. But I, uh, you leave Sunday, you're just exhausted. You go home, you go. God, did anybody get anything? Because <laughs> the only people that tell you they got anything is the people that got something that you didn't want them to get. Come on, you know what I'm. S- I was listening earlier this week, and I began to th- to consider the tithe. Hang on, I'm not receiving an offering, okay? So just relax. And I thought, man, do I tithe my time? Or did my wife and I just decide a year and a half ago that we were going to tithe, give 20% in finances, and we check that off the box, and we go, hey, man, we're tithing. But what about my time? There's 24 hours in a day break that down, the tithe of that is about two hours and 24 minutes. Well, I sleep eight of those hours most nights, sometimes six, seven, but rarely less than that. So I took that off. I have 96 minutes a day that belong to God. And I began to think of all the things that I do and all the people that we meet with and all the hustle and bustle and busyness and all over the place. Yeah, I'm I'm tithing my money. I'm tithing what I find the most security in. What about my time, the thing that's actually the most valuable, because I can't make more of it? Am I giving that to God? And so I challenge you tonight to do something different, just a very specific thing. Maybe you don't make it 96 minutes every day this week, but begin to give God the first of your day. Begin to give God the last of your day begin to give God the middle of your day and then watch him begin to work all in the in-between if you'll just tithe the most valuable commodity that you have the time that you are slowly but surely running out of I want you to take that tonight and apply it tithing your time of course your talent and your treasure but give it to jesus and watch him work with it in 2022 in a way that you didn't even know he wanted to use you to work come on lift your hands all over this worship center father we're in this together and i thank you god that you challenge us all god i pray that you would challenge our leadership but even more challenge our followership god may we examine every area of our lives and see if there's any area that we're hiding from you God, any area of disbelief, any area of delayed obedience or disobedience. And God, I just pray that everybody in this room watching online tonight would fully surrender. And God, may we most we we evaluate most our time. Are we are we spending time? Are we investing time? in what you've called us to do, in learning what you've called us to do, and just sitting with you, studying your word, reading, praying, worshiping. Does our time belong to you, or are we holding on to it too tightly? God, let us surrender our time, and let us be disciplined enough to be discipled by you and your Holy Spirit, and then go out from there and disciple others, inviting them along in our journey. And saying, hey, look, if God can do it in me, then he could do it in you. God, would you bless us and keep us. Make your face to shine upon us tonight. God, lift up your countenance and may we go in your peace. May everything that we put our hands to be blessed. God, would you use us to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways. God, to achieve this vision of meeting people. God, looking for the people that you put in our path tomorrow that we could minister to. God, looking for the people that you've already put in our lives tonight that we should minister to. Father, in the name of Jesus, may we grow closer to you together. It is in your precious Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give God praise one more time. God bless you.